1: Oh my gosh, Stu! Is today a great show or what? It is a great show. Yes, well, uh, I thought you were going to say it was a more of a no. What? It was a oh. great, a great show today. We talked to a good, really good candidate. One that uh, you know, I hope that Pennsylvania takes a real strong look at. Um, you know, I'd vote for this person a hundred thousand times before Oz, but that's just me. Um, uh, Pennsylvania candidate that is running next week in the primary. We also talked to uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, who is fighting ESG. He's one of my heroes. I mean, what he's doing is as brave as Elon Musk with Twitter, and uh, it could change the dynamics it already has with BlackRock. And then, finally, we go through the border, and it's worse than you think. It's weapons of mass destruction that we verifiably know are now across our border. Don't miss it. And before we start, if you're one of the millions of Americans who suffer every day from pain, listen up, there is hope. And it comes in the form of Relief Factor. I see testimonials from people every single day that have tried Relief Factor, didn't expect it to work, and they have found the relief from their pain in varying degrees. Uh, Some of them, no pain whatsoever people like me that have very little pain from time to time, where I had it constantly all the time. I, I, I mean, I was losing everything I loved about my life. I couldn't do it anymore. Relief Factor changed that for me, and I got my life back. Please try it. If you want a drug-free and natural way to get your life back, go to relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com.
0: to
2: the best of the Glenn
1: back program okay so do we need to go on the abortion bill yesterday it failed because of mansion um and of course biden came out and said these republicans it's Republicans, they're standing in the way of progress. We can't do this because uh, 49 people say no. What, so we're going to do it because 50 say yes? 51 say yes? I mean, it. there is no bipartisan on anything anymore. Thank God for Joe Manchin. And I can't believe I'm saying that, but thank God for him. And the fact that he came out and said, this is not This is not this isn't uh, Roe versus Wade codification. That's not what this is. This is abortion on demand all the way to the time of birth. Now, the other thing that is coming up now, I am so sick and tired, so sick and tired of people not going to jail. You know, we have hearings. Sure. And then they lie to you. And then what happens? Nothing. 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 You know, I grew up, you didn't lie under oath, ever. Didn't matter what the definition of is, is. You didn't lie under oath or you go to jail. Well, that changed in the 90s. And now you can lie to Congress. The other thing that I always heard is, oh, it's even worse with Congress because they set the rules. If they decide you're lying, they can say, jail for you. Wait. What? When is anyone going to go to jail for lying? Listen to this one: the National Institute of Health, the acting director, confirmed to lawmakers uh, yesterday that U.S. health officials concealed early uh, genomic sequences of COVID-19 at the request of Chinese scientists. Now, do you remember? Do you remember when? Um, there was uh, a a reporter that said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, they, they're hiding information. There's a there's a sequence that has been removed. Do you remember this? There's a sequence that's been removed. Where is that sequence? And everybody testified, that is just, that's conspiracy theory. That is absolutely conspiracy. It was in Vanity Fair, an article March 31st reported that evolutionary biologist Jesse Bloom discovered last year that early COVID-19 sequences had disappeared from a federally run data repository. When Bloom raised the issue, he was reportedly ganged up on by a group of researchers assembled By the then NIH director Francis Collins and Infectious Disease Institute head, Dr. Anthony Fauci. They destroyed him for it. They said that it was a conspiracy theory and everything else. Well, it comes out yesterday in testimony that, uh, yeah, we deleted the sequence. We deleted it because the Chinese scientist asked us to. And then they got into this argument of, well, it's not really deleted. I mean, it was deleted from, you know, everything except, and I have to give you this, uh, but. Uh, uh, the what it was kept on the uh, sequence read archive, uh, but oh, here it is a tape drive. It's kept on a tape drive now. I don't know if you're old enough to remember the old computers that they would have in big computer banks back in, like, the 60s with those, like, reel-to-reel tapes going back. That's what he's talking about. It's on a tape drive. That's like saying, yeah, uh, I got the whole Bible. It's on uh, stone tablets. Well, what? What? Why is it on a tape drive? Why did you store it there? The reason why is because you can't really get to the tape drive. No, it's it's available. Really? How do you access that tape drive? Oh, I just take out my tape drive reading machine. Okay, all right. So is anyone going to go to jail? Is anyone going to go to jail? The answer probably is no. Will we have hearings? Oh, sure. How about this one? Jim Jordan and Mike Johnson said they have evidence now that the FBI targeted parents who protested schools, COVID policies, despite assurances from Merrick Garland that it never happened. In a letter addressed to the Justice Department, Jordan and Johnson said they have evidence now. The FBI labeled dozens of investigations into parents with a threat tag created by the Bureau's counter, Counterterrorism Division to assess and track investigations related to school boards. The evidence is coming from brave whistleblowers within the Department of Justice. Thank God. Thank God. I have been waiting for some. Is there anybody in the Department of Justice that isn't completely corrupt? The National School Board Association, you remember, sent the letter to the Biden administration at the Biden administration's uh, request comparing parents who protested schools, COVID policies to domestic terrorists. Five days later, the FBI issued the memo saying that they wanted to investigate the threats to school boards as domestic terror. An internal email from the FBI's criminal and counterterrorism divisions instructed agents to apply the threat tag EDU officials to all investigations and assessments of threats directly specific uh, uh, directed specifically at education officials. Jordan Johnson citing a whistleblower said the FBI opened investigations with EDU officials threat in every region of the country and relating to all types of educational settings. The lawmaker cited several examples where someone reported a parent or state elected officials using the FBI's National Threat Operations Center. In one investigation, FBI officials interviewed a mom for allegedly telling a school board member, we're coming for you. The person reported the mom because she belonged to a right wing moms group. Let me just say that again with a straight face, a right wing moms group oh man tons of bake sales going on in that thing man <sighs> deadly they, bake sales It's what they do with the brownie money yeah you know what mm-hmm. i mean they've got they come out they sell you brownies and then they just pile in the cash direct to international terrorism so this right-wing moms group called moms for liberty she's also a gun owner fbi officials took the threat seriously interviewed her and then said "Now she's not a threat she's a mom in another investigation FBI officials interviewed a dad opposed to masks according to Jordan and Johnson the person who reported the dad did so because he supposedly fit the bill of an insurrectionist and rails against the government and has a lot of guns and threatens to use them Claims which the person later admitted they had no information or observation of any of that. The Republican officials in an undisclosed uh, state were also reported by state Democratic Party official who said Republicans were inciting violence by expressing displeasure with the vaccine mandates. Jordan and Johnson said these investigations were a direct result of Garland's October 4th directive to the FBI. They noted the FBI agents ultimately determined that these cases did not amount to terrorist threats, but they lamented the waste of valuable law enforcement time and resources that could have been expended on real and pressing threats. The whistleblower information raises a few concerns. Why? Because that means Merrick Garland lied to Congress under oath over and over and over again. Do you remember what he said? Quote, I can't imagine any circumstance in which the Patriot Act would be used in the circumstances of parents complaining about their children. Nor can I imagine a circumstance where we would label uh, parents as domestic terrorists. Well, you just did. Is anyone ever going to jail? More news on the FBI. Congress has decided they're not going to look into the FBI's infringement of the free press. So, the House Freedom Caucus, by the way, support the Freedom Caucus. And if you have people in the state that you think should be in a Freedom Caucus, Start a freedom caucus in your state. You can go. What was the web address? Was it state freedom dot org or something? We, we just had the guy who was running it on the other day. Uh, and the, we, we need freedom caucuses all over the country. Um, You somehow actually remembered that website, which never happens. You have it right in front of you and you misread it every interview. But, yes, statefreedomcaucus.org. Congratulations. Uh, The the, uh, witnesses uh, were Cheryl Atkinson and James O'Keefe. Cheryl, we know what happened with Cheryl with the FBI, or we thought we did. She said yesterday under oath uh, that... um, uh, she said the Obama-era gunwalking scandal. The Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, Explosives shared her experience of the U.S. government breaching her electronic devices. Remember that the government infected her computers with spyware in an attempt to identify her sources. Her story is well documented uh, in media reports, and her litigation against the government, which is still ongoing but she surprised committee members when she told them that the FBI threatened to plant child pornography on her husband's laptop. Quote, one of the federal agents involved in one of the operations against me said they intended to plant child pornography on my husband's computer. This was the FBI. It had not accomplished in my, um, it was not accomplished in my case. I can guess the curtain was drawn on that facet of the operation before they could do it. But imagine How you'd ever get out of that. They knew we had a young daughter at home. Can you imagine? This is the kind of stuff that used we used to think could never happen here. Now, I don't know. Now, I would say probably. And if it's not, it probably will. Unless people go to jail. Now, how is that going to happen? Well, we don't get mealy-mouthed worms like uh, Turtlehead Mitch McConnell, who said two days ago, uh, I think we all agree here uh, that the biggest threat to the
0: world is the Ukrainian uh, Russian conflict.
1: No, it's not. No, it's not. The biggest threat to world security is the collapse of the United States of America. Period. And there's multiple ways we could collapse. And we have people in our own government actively working towards that collapse. And if you are a candidate and you don't get that, you should not, you should not be sworn into office. I'm going to introduce you in a minute here to a candidate. Um, I want to get to know her because I really want to like her. I think I do, but. Uh, you know, she's coming under attack like nobody's business. I want to give her a chance to explain and introduce herself herself to you. She's running for Senate uh, in uh, in Pennsylvania. We talk to her in just a few minutes. This is the best of the Glenbeck program. In what strikes me as a desperation Hail Mary We're at the, you know, we're at the very end. Quick, do something. Um, Dr. Oz uh, or someone has released a smear uh, campaign against Kathy Barnett. She's running for Senate in the primary uh, in Pennsylvania. She seems really strong. She has just taken off. uh, And uh, I wanted to get her on to, you know, answer some of the things that dr oz or someone who has four followers on facebook and this is the only video they've ever released Gee, I wonder who that is um i wanted to see what she thought about this and have her be able to answer some of the questions that have been asked Here's the campaign ad.
2: Privilege and classism in America today. The reason for so much unrest in the black community is because of white racism. Black Americans feel disenfranchised. Systemic racism, specifically among police officers. I recognize that there are inequalities still throughout our country. Um, I have the blood of slaves coursing through my veins. White racism. White racism. Blessings.
1: Kathy, wow! What a hatchet job that is. Uh, You have, I think, you're very clear. You've authored the book "Nothing to Lose, Everything to Gain: Being Black and Conservative in America." Kathy, welcome.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I uh, truly appreciate it.
1: Uh, So, um, uh, are police racist?
2: I mean, you have racism exists. We all know that. I don't think anyone would say racism does not exist. Right. And there are bad apples in every area, right? I worked in the financial industry. I know there's some bad apples there in Wall Street. There's some bad apples in university. There's some bad apples everywhere. Yeah. But I have never said that our police officers as a whole are racist. I have never decried victimhood. I have never said our nation is systemically racist. I have always, from the very inception of Black Lives Matter, been one of their most ardent critics. I remember uh, under Obama, uh, Black Lives Matter started coming up. And I remember looking at my black husband saying to him at that moment, the only thing Black Lives Matter is going to do is get my black husband and my black son shot. And that's exactly what they have done all throughout Black Lives Matter Incorporated. has never been about black people. I've been extremely clear. There's hundreds of videos of me on Fox News, Fox and Friends, detrying, no. um Black Lives Matter on Facebook, all over the place. And yet... You see, you know, you know, the reality is the swamp is not just comprised of Democrats. Mm. (laughs) There's Republicans, too. You're seeing a lot of them. But I'm so excited because we are clearly winning. And I'm so excited for the people of Pennsylvania. They're actually going to have a seat at the table. And I'm so excited about that.
1: So you did work in the financial uh, district. I want to talk to you a little bit about inflation and what's going on. Where did you where did you work? What did you do? And where did you work?
2: I love it. And I love the fact that you're about to ask me a real question. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I worked at A.G. Edwards & Sons right out of college, and I worked with Bank of America Capital Asset Management and Glenn. Although I am popping up on some people's radar yesterday, as of yesterday, I've been running now. For thirteen months. I've been I've been on Sean Hannity's show seven times between his radio show and the television. Never asked me any of these questions. In fact, he was raving about me. He loved me. Until I came to the picture. Um, not one person they had thirteen months to vet me called my campaign manager yesterday, demanded all these all this information that he didn't have readily available, two seconds later, put out this article that I'm refusing to answer questions. It's just a lie.
1: Well, it's I desperate. mean one of them is Selena DeZito, and she's a very good friend of mine and a very a friend to conservatives, uh, I believe, and very fair. But she was one that uh, couldn't get yeah. any couldn't get any answers.
2: I found that to be very disingenuous. Again, I've been running for 13 months. They're acting like I, clawed, I, I crawled my way from okay. underneath a rock yesterday and just pounced on the scene. The people of Pennsylvania, the reason why we're going to win on next Tuesday is because the people of Pennsylvania has done the betting. And now you have these outsiders who are right. looking in and like, wait a minute, she, we didn't get our pound of flesh. Right. Now they're coming in.
1: I, I And the only reason why I wanted to ask those questions is because – if you are the candidate we cannot lose this seat and so i just didn't want anything popping up afterwards we can't lose this seat so let's talk about some real questions inflation biden says this is russia and putin's inflation what is this
2: yeah you know milton friedman uh nobel prize winning economist said uh inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon meaning it's the Federal Reserve, right? And now we as a nation are looking at the Federal Reserve to fix what the Federal Reserve broke. But in addition to the Federal Reserve breaking it with the quantitative easing and um, and calling it uh, uh, buying up all of the bonds from yeah. the... Uh, Treasury calling it tra- transitory inflation when they should have been putting a, a break on it. In addition to that, we have the, the Biden administration and the failed policies of the Democrat Party with, re, you know, uh, not allow- not making sure that goods that were on containers were off those containers, but were in the stores, on the shelves. Now we have a milk shortage. Now, today, I wake up to a news article. Biden is closing down more energy um, plants and, right. and pipelines. And facilities. So, all of those things is the reason why we're here. And just to give you an example of that, agriculture, the number one industry here in Pennsylvania, uh, I talked to a farmer a couple of weeks ago. He said this time last year they were paying $40,000 just to fertilize 600 acres of corn. Today, He's paying one hundred and twenty thousand dollars just to fertilize the exact same six hundred acres of corn. Who are you? Who do you think going to eat that? It's going to be the American people. Mm-hmm. This is what they're so afraid of: is that you have someone who is substantive and who can speak about uh, all of the issues beyond the talking points. I didn't become a conservative like Mamet Oz yesterday. I wasn't <laughs> living in Connecticut, being a, a, a fund manager for the sovereign wealth fund of the of the Communist Party of China, like Dave McCormick. I don't have Ties to the World Economic Forum, and so now that I'm winning, they're pulling out the long knives. They're highly editing these videos, and they're trying to paint a different picture. Pennsylvanians, keep your head on a swivel. <laughs> Don't let them take away your one and only chance.
1: Um, let me ask you: How you mentioned World Economic Forum? How where are you of ESG? Um,
2: I'm, a, I'm a hard no. Good, I good. Know McCormick is, well, I know my comic is a yes.
1: Okay, um, I'm thank a you. Hard no. Thank thank you for that. OK, um, the uh, the war in Ukraine, if you were in the Senate today. We have if this bill passes, we will have sent fifty eight billion dollars uh, to Ukraine. So people know their total yearly budget for their military is six billion and the total yearly budget for uh, Russia is sixty five billion So we are almost sending the entire Russian military budget of a year over to Ukraine. Would you be voting for it or not?
2: We're dealing with no. We're dealing with inflation. We're dealing with mothers can't find. I mean, I was literally on the phone with someone who was driving hours just because she heard there was baby formula at a particular store. We have some very real problems here in America. And my heart goes out to the people in Ukraine. My heart goes out to the citizens of Russia who have no control over a regime that has gone rogue. But Putin was a pariah uh, under the Trump administration. And we didn't see this uh, terror and horror that he's inflicting upon the people. I believe in order to make Ukraine strong, in order to make the world safe again, we gotta start with making America safe again america is not in a sustainable situation if we are fighting a war in for ukraine on their continent and then i do believe china is going to do a hong kong on taiwan yeah. that is going to be very real can you imagine we're losing allies left and right look at bangladesh and india they are pivoting away and they're cozying up to, to uh to our enemies um But imagine us being on two different continents, fighting two different wars um, and where did that put us as as Americans? We need to look at how do we make ourselves strong and that begins with, just so you know as a senator, I would want to create a foreign affairs plan that doesn't look like a crazy game of whack-a-mole whatever pops up, that's what we attack but instead create a foreign affairs plan that extends beyond the life of just one administration That's the purpose of the Senate is to be deliberate, to be sober, to be thoughtful and not just pass on whatever pops his head up
1: kathy you would be walking into a hornet's nest i mean i i talk to people all the time who are who are very well aware of evil and what's happening and every time they go to washington they say glenn it is far worse than i thought and i thought it was bad um we are going to have to have Republicans in there that will fire and if people have done wrong, jail high level government people otherwise we lose our nation let me go to schools, are you willing to close down the Department of Education?
2: Yes, I've been very vocal about that I, I believe that there was a point when they were necessary but I believe they've lived beyond their point of usefulness and now they're getting involved in a bunch of foolishness um, as it relate to Mitch McConnell, I think, likewise, uh, similar to the uh, Department of Education, he served his time of usefulness, his time to look for new blood and new 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 ideas. If you go to my website, at barnettforsenate.com just so you know how serious i am about the corruption saving my own soul Mm. keeping my own soul intact Uh, we put out on day one agenda the 10 the top 10 things i will focus on when i get to washington dc use it as a scorecard tell tell me uh,
1: i've got about a minute can you just hit quickly just like the most passionate ones here just quickly
2: Yes. Uh okay. well number six is uh ethic and transparency. My husband and I have committed to not holding individual uh holding or trading individual stocks. We will only invest in mutual funds. I think that's I think that goes a long way in the corruption of these uh, people in office, but also energy independence that will solve a lot of our problems. Also our border. We're on track for having 4 million unlawfully present people coming into this nation. Uh, And now Biden wants to get rid of Title 42. I think we really need to take a look at, um, you know, our nation is being destroyed from within. Uh, I'm, China is a threat, but our main threat is coming from within our own mm. nation. And Democrats couldn't do what they're doing if they didn't have assistance from some within our own party.
1: Kathy Barnett is her name. Uh, so you know, others have spent millions. How much have you guys spent on your campaign?
2: Less than two million. <laughs> yeah,
1: and uh, they're in three figures in the in the millions. You know, eight figures. Nine, yeah, eight figures or nine figures in the millions.
2: Over sixty million dollars just, th- just in the first five months alone. Amazing. I spent less than two million over twelve months, and they're But I, we've been doing fifteen hundred miles a week. We've had seven debates. Mamet Oz and Dave McCormick only showed up to two of them. Mm. We've had. Several forums. They wouldn't go. I think maybe two are the, the only ones they went to. They don't want to be in front of the people, but they promise to serve the people. I'm not buying it.
1: I wish you all the best. The primary is what, Tuesday?
2: Yes, five days.
1: Five days. All the best okay. to you. Uh, her name again is Kathy Barnett, barnett barnettforsenate.com. If you want to get involved, especially if you're in Pennsylvania, uh, please do make your decision because we cannot lose this seat and we ha- we cannot have it uh held by another mitch mcconnell or you know mushy republican barnett for kathy thank you very much god bless thank you this is the best of the glenn beck program Guy, I have to tell you is one of my favorite. I could, if I could, made a list of you know the five, the five people I'm watching that can really change the world. Elon Musk is probably number number one. Number two is probably Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, uh Swami, who is with us now. If I can get his name right, he's the author of Woke Inc. But he just did something that Vivek, thank you. You are, you are. Uh, in the position to do something, you're in the position where you don't have to do something, and you are taking on BlackRock
3: the right way. Can you explain what you're doing? Yeah, so we're taking on the three largest asset managers in the world, Glenn, starting with BlackRock, who is managing over $10 trillion. That is one firm managing more than half the US GDP. And here's the problem, Glenn. They are using the money of everyday American citizens. Most of the listeners of this program, yours and mine, to foist values onto corporate America, to advocate for policies in corporate America, to vote our shares in corporate America. In ways that we would disapprove of to advance these social and environmental policies that we should instead be debating as citizens. Amen. And, and you know, Glenn, I just want to, you know, I mean, you know this stuff well, but just think about this as a, as a second for a thought experiment, all right? If you had the CEOs of Exxon and Shell and Chevron get together in a room and say, we're going to cut gas production. And then gas prices spike at the pump as a result. Mm -hmm. This would be the stuff of movies. People would be walking out, perp walks and handcuffs. Okay, it's antitrust violations. Yet guess what? When the same owners of these competing firms all force those firms to do the exact same thing, somehow that gets celebrated as ESG instead. That is a problem. And that's a problem we're solving through competition. And so my my message to BlackRock was really simple. Good news is we're going to solve your antitrust problem. The bad news is we're going to do it by taking market share by actually representing the voices of everyday American citizens in every boardroom in this country so, eventually. That's the So when
1: will this begin? When can average yeah. people move their their 401k's or their investments over to you? So, so, so
3: the the movement begins. In the third quarter of the year, what we said was that the first products will launch in the third quarter. This was just unveiling the company itself. And I have been humbled. I've been blown away by the level of support we received. In fact, the number of employees of the big asset managers, including Vanguard and BlackRock and State Street who have said, we are, and these are these are their words, not mine. In one case, a message I got, we're fed up with the nonsense, ready for something new. And you know what? I don't hold it against employees who are willing to move with their own feet. I actually give credit to brave people who are willing to act on their convictions. And you know what? These firms didn't act this way 20 years ago. This is a newer trend. And so even for employees of these large asset managers who have seen the lurch that these firms have taken, I give those employees credit and our our doors are wide open. But to answer your question, Glenn, it's the third quarter of the year that we'll be launching the first product. So
1: Vivek, you know, I've been preaching this ESG stuff uh, for a while now. uh, And yes, you have couldn't get uh, couldn't get the um, uh, the states, you know, we had about 20 of them. But so many Republicans even are like, that's a private business. They can do whatever they want. Well, S&P Global just came and said, we're now rating the states with ESG scores. So you may you may lose uh, your status for businesses because we may not be able to recommend that people do business in your state.
3: At a certain point, we should just call the charade for what it is. We tell ourselves we live in a democratic society. Let's call the charade for what it is and start bowing to our monarchs instead. This isn't even a battle between left and right, Glenn. This is a battle between living in a democratic republic and living in a monarchy where a certain group of corporatocrats, people who run a corporatocracy, a monarchy, decide what the right answer is to these moral questions for everybody else. Now, I don't think that public policymakers are up to the task. I think you agree with me on that. I also think that a lot of public policies can have unintended consequences. That's a different game. That's not the game I'm playing at the end of the day, I think that the market here, the actual market, the true free market, not the one that's guided by the invisible hand of government, but the one that's actually guided by the demands of everyday citizens. That's the system that I think could deliver the cleanest solution if brave enough people are, step enough, are, are, are actually brave enough to step into that void. I think there's a great economic opportunity. I also think there's a great Huge. opportunity to change our culture. So that's the path I'm taking. That doesn't mean that policymakers can't act. It's just that I'm focused more on the market track.
1: You know, it's amazing to me. I see these companies, these media. Media companies that sell for you know a billion dollars and they got nothing we're the largest streaming network for right of center in the world it's like worth ten dollars it's like you know you're never gonna be able to sell that you're like the, the the market doesn't understand and they refuse to understand that i don't know half the country
3: doesn't agree with them and still wants and go- products and Glenn, it's it's it, let me let me just give you one shade further building on what you said. I agree with everything you said, but further, the 100 plus million people, the 150 plus million people you're talking about, when you adjust for spending power, when you adjust for investment power, when you adjust for being good credit risks, good good insurance risks, people don't lie on their credit card applications, people who have actual savings to put into investment funds, people who are hard workers, people who are sticky customers, that actually becomes one of the largest economies in the world. Right. Now, that being said, I wanted to share with you my perspective here. I don't want to see a red economy and a blue economy in the long run. I don't either. This This is beyond Democratic and Republican partisan politics. I actually want to get politics out of the private sector, but we're not starting from neutral territory. And so I think using market competition and competitive force to bring that true diversity to the marketplace of ideas, when right now, especially in capital markets, Glenn, we have one view, it is the ESG-centric view. And ESG is whatever BlackRock decides it means on a given day. What we really need is just true competition and true diversity. If we get there, I'm happy. And I don't want partisanized economies left at the end of it. I actually think that the economy can bring us together. The private sector, if it's depoliticized. Size can bring us together. We're just taking the steps to get there.
1: Well, I mean, if we have to have a parallel economy, but then we have to have it. But a parallel economy will take money from the other side and they'll either get competitive or they'll be destroyed.
3: That's exactly right. Now, I predict the way this plays out isn't that we have two permanent parallel economies, but companies like Airbnb and BlackRock and Disney. And for that matter, you know, every other company in corporate America is Dude. going to wake up and say five years from now, our approach to diversity and inclusion probably wasn't as diverse and inclusive as we thought. Right. They swing the pendulum back. That's how we get our culture
1: Did back. you see that BlackRock, what they announced today? I think <laughs> it's because course, of you. Of course.
3: <laughs> I, think, I mean, I think it is. I don't mean to falsely pat myself on no. the back or anything for credit. It's not about me. It's about them trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube, right? So now, what, what are we going to see from BlackRock? Mark my words. They're going to say, well, those proposals we put up a couple of years ago, we want to roll those back a little bit. You know what I would say is that that is the example of a of an institution that operates without a soul. I would rather have somebody who has a different view who we could engage in healthy yep. debate in the open rather than to debate with somebody who wants to look like a flag but waves in whatever direction they think mm. the wind is blowing. Now they're trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube. I'm, I think kind have a very difficult time doing that, but I think it's revealing even how they sense the tides are changing. We're going to lead that new tide, hopefully, to a more positive. So
1: I only have about three, four minutes left. And I want to ask you two questions. Um, And they're they're uh, they're just ethical questions that I don't know how to solve, both in the news today. Goldman Sachs back firm buys Florida community of single family homes for forty five million dollars. BlackRock is doing this, too. They're coming in. They're paying overpriced. They're buying whole neighborhoods. I don't want to tell companies that they can't do that. I wouldn't be opposed to that. If it wasn't for ESG and the Great Reset, which says you're not going to own anything by 2030 um, and everybody will be renters.
3: So what do we what do you think of this and how do we deal with this? It's a great question, Glenn. I like the intellectual honesty with which you're approaching this too. This traces back to a deeper problem of the government effectively having a private sector suckling at its teat over the last two years, but in return for the trade of making sure that those private actors implement government policies through the back door that government couldn't pass through the front door. So institutions like BlackRock are effectively benefiting from a decades-long policy of not only easy money from the Fed but also treasury spending that, of course, if you look at who administered the COVID-19 stimulus packages, guess what? It was none other than BlackRock taking their rake at every step as well. So this is crony capitalism. So if it's a a truly free market and private institutions are deciding deciding to invest in real estate, you're right. I don't think that that's something that we should worry about as policymakers or, or policymakers should worry about in saying that that's something that they shouldn't be allowed to do. But we don't live in that free market. Right now, it's the invisible hand, really the invisible fist of government that's engaged in a mutual back scratching exercise with firms like Goldman Sachs, that's been happening since 2008, but also with firms like BlackRock in more recent years. That make this the illusion of the free market, but they're using the slogans of free marketism as a as a slogan to defang the conservative opposition that you would otherwise feel in the intuitions. But conservative dogma says that we shouldn't interfere with the free market. Right. I think that's correct. So long as we restore the actual free market.
1: So um, that's a complicated issue. Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate your answer. Um, we're talking to Vivek Ramaswamy um, I, I, I two, two kind of in the same uh, question. There's a story from CNN today. Tesla's stock slide raises doubts about Elon Musk's Twitter purchase. I think they're sliding just like everybody else, myself. And the other the other thing that I really would like your view on, uh, there's a story in Fortune today. Coinbase admits users may lose crypto if exchange goes bankrupt. Now, when I read the headline, my first thought was, good Lord, are they going bankrupt? This is the federal government requiring them to uh, disclose what would happen in worst case scenario. And now it's being reported on uh, and the average person will look at this and go, oh, there's trouble at Coinbase. Is this just another game that CNN is playing with Tesla and the United States government is playing against cryptocurrency?
3: So you understand this really well, Glenn, your intuitions are in the right place. And they're doing this all over the place. You're seeing it in the green revolution, too, where they use the veneer of disclosure. Oh, we're not. We, we, the regulators, aren't really forcing companies to pass a particular agenda. Of course, we would never do that. We're just picking certain areas where they have to over-disclose their risks, such as climate risks. And you could see the war on crypto has a very similar feel to it, too. It rhymes with it in the same way. Well, guess what? the disclosure regime is really just a vehicle for packing in, for smuggling in a viewpoint-based agenda that forces companies to either bend the knee in a certain direction or not. And when you combine that with the forces of the media, which has really just become a fourth branch of government in many senses, that's how you use this soft power. It's not hard legislative power, though that may be coming soon too, but it's this soft power of using the combination of a disclosure regime with regulatory pressure from the back door, with regulatory favors given to large existing incumbents that then create the conditions for nothing but the right answer, which is the ESG centric answer to have been the product of what they will say is the free market. Of course, it's really just the invisible fist of government and the more totalitarian. And I don't use that word lightly, but the more totalitarian forces behind it conspiring to get to that same outcome. So, so I appreciate your insight in helping people see through what otherwise seems right. like a much more ordinary, less nefarious affair.
1: I mean, I tell you, you you say authoritarian. Um, the, the title of my book is The Great Reset, uh, 21st Century Fascism, uh, and it's. Uh, people were like, that's you can't say fascism that but that's what it is. It
3: is that the classical definition of fascism is yes. the merger of corporate power and state power. And I think we are seeing the beginning of the rise of that on modern American soil. And, and in some ways, we, we fought, a, we fought a revolutionary war in 1776. It was not a war between partisan on one side or another. It was a war between the everyday citizen and the monarchical class back in yep. 1776. And today, the new battle line is between the everyday citizen and the managerial class and in the United States. Isn't That's it, not left or right. It's something more fundamental than that. And isn't it crazy that it's
1: happening all over the world? It's happening in every Western country, and it's being misidentified in every country.
3: You nailed it. This is a transpartisan Transnational War for the heart and soul of both capitalism and democracy, and I even you know not to be fancy about this, I think transpartisan, transnational. I even say it's transtemporal. Okay, there was this was transnational back in 1776. Yeah. The French Revolution played out 13 years later. It was a transatlantic battle then too. Mm-hmm. We live in one of these moments where it's like it's, it's like the the, the 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 dose in the water. It's kind of like it was back in 1776. This goes beyond geographic boundaries and partisan boundaries. It is the human struggle between the citizen and the monarch between the citizen and the managerial class that's what's at stake today and and we side on the side of the everyday citizen i'm just choosing to do it not through policy but through actually creating a vehicle to compete with these new monarchs like blackrock and vanguard so that's why i i set out to do what i'm doing
1: the i cannot and i mean this sincerely i have waited for people like you to start standing up and you have for a long time but i mean standing up and and i mean you're going against blackrock and uh, and others you're you're i mean you're gonna get slapped around thank you thank you for that i appreciate it you give a lot of people including me hope
3: thank you glenn appreciate, appreciate it, it. take bet. the support every step you Bye-bye. bet
1: the Vake ramaswamy uh the author of woke inc uh and uh, talking about his startup uh, uh, that's going after blackrock and esg <laughs>